I am a massive mind mapper. And so I don't I don't think I've ever given a presentation where I haven't had a mind map really? that I've gone through many, many times. So just thinking, I don't feel the need for speaker's notes because I think they can make you feel very rigid. Brilliant. I probably end up with three versions of the mind map that goes from all of the detail mm-hmm. to kind of a middle ground to literally the key words that I would want to make sure are there. Right, so we're beginning. Did you get my first quite fun one, which is um, a metaphor, something lying around on your desk, something nearby that says something about you. Have you found something? I did indeed. So I looked at my desk and I have a candle on my desk and, um, and I do like to light a candle when I'm kind of actually throughout the day because I really like the smell of it and I was thinking to myself well why why did why did I get drawn to the candle and I think there's something about um the smell of it is absolutely gorgeous it was um a birthday present from my brothers um this summer and it's from a vineyard in South Africa oh, and it's is one it of my- like now, by the way Yes, it's lit now. Oh, okay, good. I'm just imagining it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and of course, it's going dark outside, so it's like atmospheric and um, and it's a smell of figs. It's a figgy ah. smell. So it's kind of this lovely yeah. warming smell. Um, but it I also... I have a total, total obsession with the smell of figs. So we'll come back to that. Oh, it's my goodness. Primal. Yeah. It's primal, well, but I we'll definitely... Carry on. So yes, that's my... The reason that I like the candle is because... It represents light mm. and warmth and, you know, candles kind of show the way. I mean, there's something amazing. You know, if you're having friends for dinner, it's always enhanced if you've got candles lit or candles around the table or there's something celebratory about candles, I think. Yeah, lovely. And I think it's a perfect image because I think light and warmth totally represent you. So, Thank you. Thank you. Lovely. Good. Okay. So first question, describe someone you've encountered that left an impression with you as a good, impactful communicator. Um, apart from you, Noah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and I, I do actually mean that sincerely, sincerely because you are a phenomenal communicator but I think there's um, a number of different people that I love for their communication styles. And I, I know this is going to sound a little bit um, too much of a cliche, but I think my dad is a phenomenal communicator. I, and, I, I remember you describing your dad a bit in the past and having a nice sense of him. So describe him. Describe what that is. Yeah, my dad is, um, I mean, he's, I would say entirely curious about stuff so he's a phenomenal reader he reads a lot but he's always really curious about people so he'll meet somebody that he's never met before and they'll say I'm from such and such a place and he'll come out with this crazy fact about such and such a place and builds a rapport and a connection with them 
really easily. And quite often these facts that he comes out about places, the people that come from those places haven't heard about it or they don't know as much as he does about it. But he has this lovely disarming way Mm. of just engaging. And of course, my dad loves to laugh. Mm. You know, he and I share that in that we, (laughs) we, we always think, you know, there's a, there's a great, Jane Austen quote, and I will get the quote wrong, but it's something along the lines of, you know, kind of what is our purpose in life other than to um, make sport for our neighbours and laugh at them in our turn. And I think that's one of our favourite quotes that we talk about together is, you know, that kind of describe him a bit, your dad. Where where is he from? Just give give a give a picture of him, his warmth, what it is. Yeah, he's um he's so originally from Liverpool and from a lovely family in Liverpool. You know, we're still I would say incredibly close. Um, although he doesn't live in Liverpool now, there's definitely a um a Liverpool kind of soul to him. Yeah. But really interesting, he says Liverpool it's a Liverpool he doesn't recognise anymore. He doesn't recognise the accent anymore. He says the oh, really? accent has really morphed. Oh really? But, yeah. Has he, has he, so is his accent Liverpoolian? Or, or, or not what we would think of as Liverpudlian. Not what you would think of as Liverpudlian, but definitely I what I would think of as, as a Liverpudlian accent because that's the accent that I hear him talk with family. Mm. So there's that kind of uh, there's a lovely kind of melody and a softness to it. It's not the very harsh Liverpudlian accent that we hear now. Right. Brilliant. Okay. Your favourite failure. And this is in terms of communication, presentation, impact, and favorite failure, which generally, more often than not, leads to some kind of insight, some kind of development as a result of. Yeah, uh, this goes back really early in my career. So I joined um, a graduate scheme at British American Tobacco. And, you know, one of the first things that they did, this was going back sometime when all these organizations had big graduate schemes, they sent us on um, an outward bound course which I despised, of course, mm. um, because I love being outdoors, but not in these kind of fake environments. And 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 somehow, anyway, I was I ended up kind of being appointed leader of the group. So we were, I was the leader of this group for these activities that we had to do, and it was quite fun. By the end of it, it was quite fun. And at the end of that week, we then had to put together a presentation about everything we'd learned and how it had gone and and the soft skills that we'd learned and the harder skills that we'd learned. And we were to present that back to some of the senior leaders in the organization. And I remember on a Friday night, we were preparing the presentation and we thought it was all ready. And we were going to be presenting on the following Monday at 11 o'clock in the morning. And we'd gone through these slides many, many times. Um, and oh no it wasn't I think it was one o'clock in the afternoon Mm. and somebody said let's all meet at nine o'clock in the morning and this email came through and I I said in an email back well that's ridiculous we don't need four hours worth of preparation um Mm. do you you know do you do you really think our board members meet for four hours before they're giving a board presentation and yeah I just flipped this email out and I instantly got a load of responses saying, and I remember on one email, they said, who do you think you are? Margaret Thatcher. And honestly, it destroyed me. It was just 
awful because I hadn't meant it in such a mean way. But it really made me realize that I had taken no account of the fact that we had people and it would be the first time presenting in front of senior mm-hmm. people and they were nervous. And I totally disregarded that. And so whilst I pretty much spent the whole weekend mortified and mm-hmm. alternating between, oh my God, I really am. That's awful. Why did I say that? Everybody will hate me now. Um, you know, it was a really great lesson on how things, what your intent is and how things really land mm. and actually how you need to be just more empathetic to people mm-hmm. um, and to uh, what yeah, yeah. they need. Yeah. I'm interested about that story because it's so not the way I have, would experience you as a incredibly empathic leader. Um, so, and, and maybe that was yeah. the lesson because that was very early on my career and it yeah. stayed with me. It still stays with me. The fact that I can remember it, I can remember everything about that exchange um, so kind of vividly. Mm. And I think it, it really shaped me. Mm. the better because mm. it, it taught me to take account of those things and, and bring everybody with yeah. you and not end up as Margaret Thatcher and not you know I, I was absolutely mortified by the uh by the comparison yeah. and I think that was a catalyst yeah. it was probably the very first time I actually started to think about well who do I who do I want to be yeah. and how do I want to show up yeah brilliant brilliant okay we could do a whole podcast on Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we could. What do you do to get in the zone of before presentation of any or big meeting or, or, or anything where the stakes are high? Um, and the kind of sub part of that is, do you have particular routines or rituals that help you get there? Yeah, I am a massive mind mapper. So Mm. even in preparation for this, in front of me, I have a mind map that shows my kind of main thoughts that I would want to make sure that we talked about. And so I don't, I don't think I've ever given a presentation where I haven't had a mind map that I've gone through many, many times. So just thinking, I'm, I'm not one for kind of little speaking notes or anything like that. I, I, I think because I actually did some drama when I first kind of started working because I wanted to be able to speak well and confidently. Mm. Um, I don't feel the need for speaker's notes because I think they can make you feel very rigid. Brilliant. But I definitely have a mind map and that mind map starts, it, You, I probably end up with three versions of the mind map that goes from all of the detail mm-hmm. to kind of a middle ground to literally the keywords that I would want to make sure are there. And I find I that, that helpful. And that means you don't have to cover them in a certain order. It gives you flexibility to be, to, 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 to be present with what happens, but yeah. making sure you are covering those big key bits. Yeah. I love that. And I guess like, well, not everybody, but the big thing always is that breath. Take the deep breath. As you're saying that, I'm sitting up now. Carry on. Yeah. (laughs) It's super easy to get in front of an audience, isn't it? And to just want to tell them everything and forget to breathe. And sometimes that, just that moment of standing solidly, and just taking a breath before you even say anything Brilliant. grounds you, I think, and it is really, really important. Love um, it. God, I love that as well. 
super they're very simple i I feel like i should say something really great like yes of course i always you know i don't know circle three times or you know no i think that would get in the realms of which is easy to do by the way to get into sort of superstition of stuff yeah i remember i once went on a course of that talked about kind of rituals and he was really into like clapping in the room to get, right. get dead energy out of the corners of the room. And for a while, I did start doing that. I did start going into meeting rooms and clapping out dead energy. <laughs> and that's I think this is getting a bit weird now. I don't have to do it every room, do I? Or, yeah. um, so, but no, I, I love that. But I, you know, actually, though, there is quite often dead energy. And I think the way to get over that, and I, I don't mean dead energy that's just lingering, but dead energy in your audience, mm. you know, they, you can sometimes see that audience that's just there and they're like, why am I here? Mm. You're boring. I don't agree with you. Mm. You're an idiot. And I always find it really, it's like a little game that is maybe one thing that I do a bit perversely is my game is to get them to smile. Right. Or engage yeah. them and, and then, you know, because it's a bit too easy to always look at the smiley person. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's also a person and see if you know them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um next question. Can you describe a time when someone has persuaded you or influenced you to do something that you later look back on and go, wow, they 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 did a a good job on me. Whether I mean, it might have been a persuasion that you were happy to be persuaded by, but can you describe someone who's really been able to do that to you? Uh, the, the <laughs> there's loads of people. I'm such a sucker for a sad, sad story. Um, you know, if somebody wants to really kind of get me hooked, is to give me the big puppy eyes and a sad story i mean including my dog who does that on a yeah a frequent basis because i mean he is obviously they're masters at it they absolutely masters of eye contact lock in (laughs) just look at my eyes and i'm not going to break this until you really feel it so yeah yeah Yeah. i'm laughing because he's really giving me that look now as if to say i see you talking to somebody else yeah when i have a tummy that hasn't been tickled for at least 25 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that from a, an organizational point of view, you know, I've worked with some really great, great leaders. Mm. Um, there was some fabulous leaders in um, when I was working at BP and, mm. you know, just that would get you motivated to be involved. I mean, they, they did a lot of work on um, diversity and inclusion, which is probably where I started to get interested in it. And there was a, a phenomenal lady called Joan Wales, I think her surname was. And she was a gentle, quiet communicator, mm. but she was, she believed so passionately mm. in what she was talking about that you couldn't help but want to get involved in supporting the activities that they were doing, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. which I think is, you know, yeah. if somebody is passionate, you can't fake passion. Yeah. Yeah. That's which is why, yeah. Yeah. you know, the secondhand car salesman doesn't persuade me mm-hmm. because it's not coming from a place mm-hmm. of passion, is it? It's not. Although, do you know what the, the irony is that w- when I put that question, I was just talking to Dom about this earlier and said, um, my version weirdly really is a second-hand car salesman. And it's really odd that I went to drop my car off for an MOT 
and walked past this Audi on the way out. I went, God, that's a nice car. You went, oh, it's for sale, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, no, no, I'm not, I'm not buying a car, though. And he said, well, look, I'll just give you the details anyway. And he just printed them off. And that's basically all he did. Wow. He, 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 he was the master of not selling. And he was so good at it that I completely sold it to myself. And he watched me. And I now realize, looking back, he was incredibly good at saying nothing and doing nothing, but just enough. Right. Next question. One of the big things always that I end up discussing with clients is this balance of, of authenticity, of this is me, this is my personality, and how that relates to the professional persona. and. Of late, I've actually often leaned into going, actually, it's really good. It's really important to also be a professional and not yeah. just show this is me because there's there are times where you really, really need to show that side of yourself. So I'm kind of just interested how you manage those two. Where do you – do you have a line that you draw? How do you manage it? What's been the your experience of that? Yeah, I think as you get more – confident in who you are as you get older you're more willing to share more of yourself I would say quite early on in my career I was really stiff almost of mm. you know sharing too much of yourself because I wanted to be make sure I was seen in a particular way and and I think that meant that I didn't bring as much of my high energy to situations um and I would say there's a lot more congruence now between who I am in my personal life and who I am in my professional life. Um, so I think I bring more of that kind of energy, a, a little bit more of that silliness. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid to laugh at myself, which I think probably 10, 15 years ago, I would have been more nervous about that. Um, you know, so, and that's just about being more comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I would say that I talked about that word passionate before, didn't I? Um, you know, there was there was a little bit of, I want to say 20 years ago, you know, don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. You know, don't bring your whole, don't bring your passion because it can be a little bit overwhelming. And I think that um, I've stopped caring a little bit about that mm-hmm. because I think I'd rather just see what I care about and what I'm passionate about mm-hmm. than be, you know, covering who I am. Um, I think one of the challenges I have a little bit is um, I do this work on diversity and inclusion. And one thing I worry about is because you're championing that a lot Mm. in a very heavily male dominated industry, Mm. making sure it doesn't come across as just self-interested or sometimes a little bit whiny. I think that you Mm. can, there's a danger because you do care so much about it Mm. that it can be overwhelming for people. Mm. Mm. And I, you know, sometimes trying to get that balance is can be a little bit difficult and of course mm. you've got to adapt for the situation haven't you i mean mm. i think there's probably what do you levels- do in those situations how do you when you are in that very male environment um manage yourself in that with it in that context you said yeah i think it's about treading that fine line bef- between 
passion and 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 bubbling emotions because sometimes you can get really frustrated. You know, you hear you hear people say stuff and you think to yourself, well, two things. First of all, do you really is that is what you really believe? And then secondly, like how am how much work have I got to do if that's what you really believe? Mm. You know, well and and maybe thirdly, do you think it's appropriate to say those things out loud? Because some people say stuff to you about gender issues in particular, and you think, have you just listened to what you've said? Mm. And mm. so, you know, I try to not Brilliant. I try to not take the moral high ground on it, mm. but you know, and that means sometimes sometimes you just let stuff wash over you because you think oh i'm not gonna can't pick that up or you try and engage in a healthy dialogue to Mm. and take the point of view of okay that's something that that person believes instead of being defensive could i be more curious about why they feel like that yeah yeah so trying to ask more questions i think can often back back to your your role model of your dad being curious and asking yeah which yeah has value there I think okay. curiosity is probably one of the things that we haven't got enough of. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because that, I, it, I think like everything, there's always a, a dark side and a light side. So, you know, curiosity can be nosiness. You know, where, yeah. where's the line between that? And, and you don't want to put people in a place of making them feel unsafe or overexposed mm. because – you know, when you think about great communication, there's a bit of making people feel safe mm. in it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But it also takes risks. You need to be risky as well to get the reward of that. So so sometimes asking those what could be a risky question is the golden bit that opens up something. Remote highs and lows. That's my next question for you. Um, since we've all moved on to this extraordinary world of voices and disembodied heads what's what what is the high point for you what's the best version of that that you've experienced and equally what's the lowest yeah i so i've loved seeing an insight into people's worlds that you don't always see i mean i think that is there's something really charming about that that gives you an insight into the what people like and don't like and how they organize themselves. And, and again, from a curiosity point of view, rather than a nosiness point of view, there's a fabulous, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure of the name of it, but there's a Twitter account and it's all about people's bookcases behind them when they're doing these Zoom calls. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've, I've heard about it and I want to go and look at it. I've heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> fabulous because it really is like okay i can i can see the way that you communicate and the way your bookcase is organized there's a there's a coherence between those two things um but the downsides um you can get really tired Mm. looking at a screen all day but i really what i miss most of the um the collision conversations where you just bump yeah. into someone in the coffee machine yeah. and hey great to see yeah. you how are you doing you know exactly, exactly. that because exactly. that's energy yeah, yeah. I, of course i would say that because i'm an extrovert and that's where i get my energy from yeah but that i miss yeah yeah because you can just bump into is it barney your doggy <laughs> yeah hey <Barney>. hey <laughs> 
Let's get some coffee. Yeah. Well, and his narrative is always the same. Can you open that fridge door and give me something nice out of there instead of the dog food that you insist on giving me? Very good. <laughs> okay. So my final question is um, if you could add a specific skill to your suite of how of your pres- of how you present of all the skills you talked about having done drama when you were younger if you could add something specific to that what would it be mm, i would like to be a little bit more consistent and coherent when i'm on the spot answering questions mm. so i might give a great answer, but I may not remember two seconds later what it is that I said. Mm. Mm. So, you know, just being a little bit more coherent. I mean, I go very off the cuff as I'm doing right now. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm definitely an, an immediate response kind of person rather than a totally thoughtful, considered yeah. responder. Yeah. So I suppose there's something about, being a bit more consistent in some of the answers mm. that I would give. You mm. could ask me all of these questions again <clears throat> and yeah. I would answer them all differently. Yeah. I mean, I like that. And I, but I, 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 I hear you because there is a time for that kind of hammering it, nailing it, consistent way of yeah. doing it. Um, but I also really liked your description of, of, of your notes being a mind map and the kind of flexibility and the freedom with that. But um, yeah. yeah, that's the, the, the flip side of the other coin lovely it was funny because there was one you, you i know you'd asked me about a communicator and i was laughing because i know we went to talk about my dad but and i'd written down a couple of names of people that i really like as communicators and one of the people don't laugh yeah was jürgen klopp <laughs> oh of course <laughs> but except you, then. Can't, you can't talk about your dad and jürgen klopp of course. <laughs> in the same sentence so because he's a phenomenal communicator he is actually he is i i yeah no and i totally get why you didn't but um, um <laughs> but i was he, really is, he is phenomenal even god he, i mean his lessons on leadership he should be bloody he should be a world leader he really so, should be he, he, he was i just saw the other day literally like two days ago he said when i first arrived at liverpool i just looked for quick wins and the first thing that struck me is I was watching our, my first game of them warming up at Spurs. And I yeah. looked at Spurs and they looked really on it and together. And I looked at our guys and just their warm-up kit was messy. But but he said, so the first thing I wanted to do was just get us looking really sharp in the wow. warm-up kits. Wow. And that was a really quick win. Amazing. And he's yeah. right. Yeah. Can we can we do a podcast on Jurgen Klopp? And I'll put my – I'll have to find an alter – ego voice yeah. to do it with yeah, because exactly. my dad will voice. never forgive me for saying yeah. that I think Klopp is yeah. a great communicator. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. As always, I look back to the beginning and think of the candle, the light and the warmth. <laughs> and that's still, like. it's still glowing. Good. Lovely. <laughs> Well, I wish you, you could smell it. We need like a scratch and sniff podcast. Absolutely. That's the, well, that's the next development. And I, I, I was hearing today um, about smell being the most um, primal of all the senses and the one that takes us back to the 
Is it the hippocampus, the bit where the, the kind of raw, raw emotions are? And the smell was that. That's why it was amazing when you said fig, because there's a fig tree. When I walk my dog around the block, there's a fig tree. And I, even last night, I thought, this is bizarre. I got a hit of that smell. Ooh, and it is so evocative. For yeah. me, it's my grandmother's house in Spain when I was six, seven, and walking past it. And just I, that, so that smell. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. yeah. That's so nice. I definitely, when I go, when we can fly again, I'll oh. go to South Africa just for you, Noah, and get one oh. of these candles. <laughs> okay. All right. Done. Deal. I'll see you at the airport. Lovely. Yeah.